One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that generates biography using music and the power it has to connect us to times and places and people and emotions from our lives. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Gwinetta S. Gittins. Gwinetta was born in Mississippi, but grew up in Champaign, Illinois, and then Chicago. Early in her life, she lived in California, Texas, Puerto Rico, the Cayman Islands, and Bermuda. And she spent lots of time in Jamaica, St. Lucia, Trinidad, and the Bahamas. She received her bachelor's and master's degrees in psychology from University of Maryland and then University of Indiana while living in Puerto Rico, and has a master's of education from Nova Southeastern University. She wound up in Florida, working for Barnett Bank in Tampa, Orlando, and then Port St. Lucie rising to VP in training and development. She then pivoted to teaching in 2003 and did that for 15 years before being elected to a seat on the Lee County School Board in 2018, becoming the first black person, man or woman, ever to be elected to the school board in Lee County, a position she holds still to this day. Hey there, Gwinetta. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for driving. I think you're maybe the first person who's driven three and a half, four hours to the studio. That's it. You know, I'm a first at a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) You drove down from Howie in the Hills, which is just south of Orlando, right? Yes. What were you up there for? I was up there for a finance training uh, with the Florida School Board Association. And um, their finance trainings are are fabulous. There's this one lady that is a, a financial officer that is really, really good, and she's she's funny and keeps you awake during the dry things. So it was very, very good. I learned a lot. So Gwinetta. Well, and let me correct you. Okay, okay? yeah, I want to get it right here. <laughs> well, technically it is Gwinetta, and, but I was only called that when I was naughty. You know, Gwinetta, get in this house. Okay. So, or go wash the dishes. So Gwen is totally fine. (laughs) You know, that's so cool because my daughter's name is Guinevere. (gasps) Really? And her nickname and primary name for all these years, she's 16 now, is Gwen. Oh, (laughs) see. And it's not Gwen, like Gwendolyn. Uh It's Gwen. And you're Gwen. And I'm Gwen with a Y. I'm very unusual. So I often say I'm related to Gwyneth Paltrow because she has the Y. And she's Gwen with, it's G-U-I-N is how she spells it. Oh, is it? Yeah. So you guys both have unique Gwens. Yes. Okay. Well, let's do this thing. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, Where did you grow up? Well, it's kind of a strange story. I was born in Mississippi and I was, uh, there was my older brother, my older sister, me, and the sister that's right under me. And we lived with our grandparents in uh, Carson, Mississippi. And our mother was living in another town because she was working somewhere. And uh, then she would come back home. And my uh, uncle, my father's brother and his wife, were moving to Illinois. And somehow or another, um, they decided that I would go and live with them. And it's it's a family thing to talk about that as to, you know, well, did they steal it? No, they didn't steal me. <laughs> I was not stolen away in the night. Um, but I went to live uh, with um, Curtis and Thelma in Champaign, Illinois. So I grew up 
as an only child uh, for the most part. And um, uh, we lived about a block from the University of Illinois. And uh, Thelma, my mother, lived, uh, she worked over there as well. So I grew up going to school with professors, children, and okay. exchange students from Thailand and Germany. And, and our school was just very eclectic like that. But I was the only black girl in my class from first to fifth grade. Mm. And no, wait a minute. I forgot. I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through second grade. And then I went to public school. So in public school, it was only me and one black boy. His name was Stan, and I hated him. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's bad luck. (laughs) Well, but and everybody always thought, oh, Gwen and Stan. No. (laughs) It was not the Gwen and Stan show. It was not the Gwen and Stan show. So how would you describe your musical background there in Champaign, Illinois? Like Uh, what was being played around you? What were your aunt and uncle listening to? Just kind of weave that pattern. Well, they were very, very musical, and they both sang. He played the piano, and I have wonderful memories of him playing the piano and me sitting on his knee, and he'd always, you know, bounce me up and down as he was playing. I remember this one time one of my friends was over, and my daddy started playing a song, and I always sat on his knee. So he let the other little girl come and sit on the other. I'm like, I'm not having this. I pinched her. Oh, really? <laughs> he didn't know that I pinched her. <laughs> so she would get down. But it was funny. But they they had, I mean, I grew up with uh, Mahalia Jackson, Nat King Cole. I love Nat King Cole. Um, just about every genre of music. From and and my uh, aunt would do uh, opera and stuff like that from time to time. So it was very eclectic. I grew into just loving music, all types of music. Was uh, your you, <coughs> was anybody else besides your uncle, or you'd refer to him as your dad, uh, uh-huh. playing music on instruments? Um, basically just the piano. Just the. Did piano. you ever play an instrument? Well, he bought the piano for me, oh. and and I was, I think I was like eight years old, and he wanted me to have this piano, and he had an old one, then he bought one for me, and the next year he passed away. Hmm. So uh, that piano's still in the family at one of my cousin's houses, but um, I played the piano for a while. I wasn't a really good student. What was the first uh, band or musician that you became attracted to as an individual when you were younger? Not just so, you know, your parents liked it, so you liked it, but something that you kind of identified with. Um, I'm trying to think way back then. I liked, I, I really did like Nat King Cole a lot. And Aretha Franklin and, you know, those types of real soulful sounds. And I, I lived with them until I was—he died when I was nine. And when I was 14, she passed away. And I moved to Chicago, Illinois, to live with another aunt and my cousins and all that. And they were very religious. Oh. And so, you know, I was told you can't do this and you can't do that. So when I went to school, I mean, it was just 
All hands on deck. You listen to the music and the radio and everything else. But um, but you couldn't bring it home with you. Couldn't bring. I will never forget my aunt. What was the song? Um, Express yourself. Uh huh. Okay. And I was walking around the house singing "Express Yourself," and she said, "Stop singing that terrible song." She thought they were saying "Spread Yourself," and I was. <laughs> I said, that's not what they're saying. It's express yourself. And she says, no, you won't sing that terrible song in this. <laughs> uh, do you remember the first music that you owned that you chose to have as your own? When I was a little girl, they had bought me um, one of the, a little record player. It was red and white. And, <clears throat> excuse me, my mother put it up in the back of her closet. And it was for Christmas. But I found it. So every time they'd leave the house, I would play it. Wow. And I had this one. You're I a rule breaker. <laughs> I, was, I was terrible. <laughs> so I had, uh, I had this little yellow record, and then I had a 45 of, like, Martha and the Vandellas or something like that. And I would play it and then put it back up when I heard them coming. So Christmas morning came along, and I walk out, and I see the record, and I'm like, oh. Oh, so you're an actress, too. And, I know. and she looked at me and she says, okay, just cut it. You know? I said, what? Was it already wrapped? Did you rewrap it? I, no. I, she said, I said, well, how, you know, what are you saying? She said, you've been playing this for a month. She said, you don't realize that when you turn it off, it's still warm. <laughs> so, so she knew. But I had, um, oh, man, during that time, you know, the 45s with the little disc in the middle Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i had friends that would um borrow my little discs and stuff and we we had all kinds of arguments about which discs belonged to who and but the 45s were were really good um i i even remember i'm showing how old i am but i mean there was uh, the twist and all kinds, all kinds of songs. <laughs> okay, it is time for your first song. Oh, is it? Okay. Would you? Uh, how would you like to handle this? <clears throat> well, the first song is um, Boney James, and the reason I chose it because I love jazz. Uh, when I taught, I used to have jazz playing in my room all the time, and the kids at first they didn't like it. But then they were you'd see them, Miss, you're gonna turn on the music. And the reason I would tell them jazz is good, they would always want to study with songs with words and tunes that they knew, and it was distracting. And I said, You can have the beat and the rhythm and everything with jazz, but not the distraction, so you can still study. And um Boney James, this one is Ain't No Sunshine. And it's because I love this because uh, I also love Bill Withers. And uh, so he used to sing this song. And I went to um, a concert in Orlando, oh, goodness, back in the maybe early 90s. And Boney James was playing. And he came over to me. Oh, wow. Got down on one knee. And he played just right in front of me. So... Bonnie James is one of my favorite jazz artists. But as you listen to it, just um, jazz and the, the melodies and, and all just kind of takes you away. And it's just calming. That's why I like it. What age students were you playing it for? 
high school. High school students. Mm-hmm. How long ago did you stop teaching? I stopped teaching in seventeen, eighteen, uh, twenty eighteen. Okay. And then I, six months later, I ran for the school board. Okay. Any music on the school board? We'll get to that more later. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> well, let's listen to this together. Uh, right. This is uh, Boney James from his nineteen ninety five album Seduction. As she said, it's. Uh, Uh, Bill Withers' Ain't No Sunshine. Saturday morning, all the windows open, and cleaning house, and the jazz up really loud, and yeah, (laughs) that's what I see. Curtains blowing and wind and breeze. What about Boney on his knee playing? Oh, of course, (laughs) of course. Did he happen to be playing that song? No, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was another song from Seduction. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. But, yeah, and then he, you know, signed the, uh, the, I think he signed my napkin or something I had uh, I was so excited just to meet him. Really nice person, though. Really, really nice. When you're playing music around the house, like you just described, how is it being played these days? Um, Alexa. <laughs> and she can be real hard-headed when she wants to be. <laughs> so you, um, no, I, I like Alexa. And people will say, oh, you know, it's very... You don't know what she's taping and whatever, but, but I really like it. Usually when I leave the house... I'm setting the alarm and I'm saying, Alexa, depending on where I'm going, if I'm going to a meeting or something that I know is going to be tumultuous, I will say, Alexa, play gospel songs for the next six hours. (laughs) That way you get to come home to it. I get to come home and I feel like it's playing while I'm away and it's still boosting me up, right? Oh, that's pretty cool. I can, uh, I have this thing when I'm sitting on the, the, dais and before i say anything i always write down the initials lwtmm let the words of my mouth because i have to remind myself that when, and i have a little lighthouse that sits up there on the dais where i am to remind myself that everything i say someone is listening someone is going to emulate in some way or someone's going to learn um, something good or bad from whatever you say. So I I have to, you know, keep reminding myself of that. I think that's a good lesson for everybody. Yeah. It, it, especially someone in your position. You know <laughs> what? If you stop and think before you speak, we probably would have had fewer wars. <laughs> mm. um, so when you were in high school, where yeah. did you see yourself going? What was your goal or your hope for, you know, college and future? Well... I thought I would go to college, and um, I, I really wasn't sure. I wanted to teach, but uh, remember I said we were in this church that was very, very strict, and I was told that, um, you know, if you get married, it has to be someone that's in the church and all that. It was, it was kind of all kind of set up for you, but I ended up— um, getting married when I was, I think, 19, 20, just turning 20. And I, uh, my husband was a minister. So we moved. We were in Chicago. We lived in California, Texas. And then we moved to Puerto Rico for two and a half years. 
and because his area was the Caribbean. And that was a real, really good experience. I never, I didn't learn Spanish because we lived in this big apartment building in Isla Verde. And on one side was a Cuban family. The other side was a Puerto Rican family. And we would all get together and eat and do stuff. But one side spoke Castilian and the other one was New Yorican. So I was very confused. (laughs) And one day I was going shopping. They said, you have to speak Spanish when you go. So I go to the bakery and I ask for a golden crown. And the and the baker looked at me. He says, "Kay," and I said it again, really proud. He said, "You asked for a golden crown. What you mean is this?" But it was interesting because every time I went to the bakery after that, he'd teach me something else. So it, you know, we developed a friendship. So you speak bakery Spanish. I speak bakery <laughs> Spanish. And then um, while we lived there, we were gone about half of every month, traveling to all the different islands. Um, you know, Jamaica, St. Lucia, Trinidad, Bahamas. And after our two years doing that, we were assigned in Bermuda. So we lived in Bermuda for 10 years. Wow. And uh, my son was born in Bermuda. And so that kind of island theme and all is in there. One one of the songs I had uh, on here that I was debating on was Bob Marley's Three Little Birds and um, you know everything's going to be alright and I remember singing uh, singing that in Bermuda and when we ended up um, when I moved back to the States uh, we divorced and um, then after a while he passed away and I got remarried and my husband's from Trinidad so that island theme is yeah, still, it's stuck with you. <laughs> it's still to this in there. day. It sure has. But um, I've you know been taught several, pretty much most of the major islands, and and it's just so laid back. It's just so we lived in the Cayman Islands too for a few years, and just the the laid back calmness of it. When you come back to the States, you realize how much you miss that. Just 6 o'clock, the streets roll up, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody just just chills. Did you get to see any live music while you were in the islands? Oh, yes. Probably re- lots. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, there were always concerts and different people coming. Um, I remember once, was it, um, oh, what was his name? It was a, a Calypso, a Calypsonian. I'll think of it in a second. But anyway, we went, uh, Byron Byron Lee, and a group of us went to the concert. It was Friday night and Saturday night. So we went Friday night. It was so good. We went back on Saturday night again. (laughs) It was just, like I said, just having fun and out in the open air and good, good memories. So at some point you must have gone to college, right? I did. Because you ended up doing some adjunct professoring, and I don't think they let you do that without at least a little college. Well, just a little bit. <laughs> well, when I lived in Bermuda, when we lived there, uh, the expats or, you know, the, the non-Bermudians, had there were classes on the Navy base. And so we would go um, two, three evenings, and I carpooled with some people. In Bermuda, you can't only have one car per household. Oh, it's like a law? 
Yeah, mm. you can only have one. Well, it's so small. It's 20, right. 24 square miles. And um, you can have as many bikes and Vespas as you want. And so I carpooled with some ladies that I still know to this day. And we went to college. So I got my um, bachelor's from University of Maryland. And then University of Indiana had a... Um, Every six months, they would bring in different professors, and also that's when I started my uh, master's in um, psychology. Hmm. And then I switched over and went into education. So when did you wind up in Fort Myers or southwest Florida? Well, I lived in Tampa for about, goodness, uh, about 10 years, and I was um, started working for Bank of America. A Bar Nation of America. Barnett Bank, Nations Bank. Bank I remember America. Barnett Bank. That was the best bank ever. <laughs> I still park in what I call the Barnett Bank parking lot downtown, even though it See? hasn't been the Barnett Bank for forever. Ages. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best bank. So I started working with them and worked my way up to um, a VP of training and development. And they transferred me to Orlando and then to Port St. Lucie. And then I left the bank, and we moved. My current husband, Martin, and I moved to uh, Fort Myers. Mm. And um, we actually moved over here. It's funny because a friend of ours from Port St. Lucie had moved over here, and she was starting a church. And so she had asked if we would help. So we moved over here to help her with the church, and then she got married and moved to Port St. Lucie. And left you here. (laughs) How long ago was that, roughly? Um, We came here in 2003. Okay. was when we first came. And I decided um, I had been in corporate uh, training and development and all that for a while, decided I wanted to teach. So I decided to... um, become a substitute first. So for a year, and I still tell young teachers to do this when you get out of your teacher training, take a year, six months, and just be a substitute and go to as many different schools. And I had a ranking system. Oh, you were like collecting data on schools and administrations and on other teachers and systems and all that stuff. If I made it through... To lunchtime, and no one had said anything about, well, you know, here's the restroom or come have lunch with us. It was an X. Hmm. <laughs> so, but it was good because I also didn't know if I wanted to teach elementary, middle, or high school. And I decided that, yeah, I wanted high school. <laughs> I love the little ones, but I wanted to do high school. What was your first school, like full time position? At Lehigh Senior High School. Oh. And I did, besides teaching uh, business and leadership, and I was in charge of uh, um, the senior class and prom and homecoming, all that good stuff. And it's it's so interesting now to go on social media and somebody message someone messaged us the other day and said, "Remember me? I was in your class, and and I'm graduating with bio." Uh, engineering degree next year. I'm like, yes, this, this really worked. But I worked at um, Lehigh Senior High School, Island Coast, um, East Lee County High School, 
one long year in middle school at Lehigh Acres Middle. I and think every year in middle school is long, long for everyone involved. Yes. <laughs> it takes a special, special person. And then um, I resigned and decided I would just sub part-time and worked at James Stevens. And it ended up going from one day to two to full-time again. So I had to just resign and retire to stop teaching. You had to cut yourself off. I just had to cut myself off. And then I decided um, to run for school board. And here I am. Here you are. <laughs> we'll get more into that in a little bit. But okay. I wanted to go back just to, um, you said you were involved with setting up proms and homecomings and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Do you have any musical memories associated with those? Any like themes that students you, know, you had to shut down or any crazy <laughs> things that happened? Or The best prom, <clears throat> excuse me, the best prom ever. Oh, sorry. The very pr- best prom ever was, it was called Kiss by a Rose. And That's the we, seal song, That right? was the seal song. <laughs> and we even tried to see if seal would tape something or give a message or whatever. We were never able to get in touch. But we had um, bouquets of roses on each table. And at the um, at a certain point, the instead of a balloon drop, we had rose petal drop. It was it was just beautiful. It really was a that seal one, themed prom. A but seal, seal the artist. Yeah, based on a, a one single song. That's pretty based cool. Based on yeah, and we had uh, one of the things we would do was have uh, a couple of the kids that were really good at interpretive dance to have them do a song. I mean, a dance to that song just before we announced the king and queen. Oh, yes. I can see it all I can now. see it all now, too. You've painted the picture. <laughs> all of those Lehigh Lehi senior graduates will remember as they sit there with their children bouncing on their knee right now. <laughs> mm. um, uh, do you and your husband's musical tastes align? Very much so. The, the jazz and um, he, of course, coming from Trinidad, the soca. Um, our wedding reception was nothing but a party. It was, <laughs> it was fun with all the soca music and um, and you know the the uh, uh, rhythm and blues and all that type of thing. It was a lot of fun. Lot Did of fun. your son listen to any music <laughs> that you couldn't stand? Or that you I, misinterpreted you know, like your... Uh... <laughs> like my aunt <laughs> yeah. did, you know, expressed yourself. Um, I I keep trying to get into rap like I should, and I'm not quite there. But well, you're the, trying. I'm trying. But the funny thing was, I used to have a really big CD collection. And I would go to take out a CD and open it up. The CD was gone. So my son would be taking them. He loves jazz. He loves, like, Miles Davis and all of this. And he would take it and put this, his scribble his signature all on it and put it in his little jacket and stick it in his car. I'm like, excuse me, where's my Boney James CD? <laughs> and it would be in his car. But um, I think he has taken on the um, love of music and between my husband and I and, and my son, we really do like music a lot. Do either of them play musical instruments? 
My husband plays guitar. Yeah? And he even wrote a song. Does he serenade you? Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but he's good. He played, actually, he played Steel Pan in a group when he lived up north in New York. Um, I forget the name of it. They used to travel all over and do big parties out in, you know, country clubs and all this kind of stuff. So he still plays the guitar. um, And... He was actually making a guitar. Really? Yeah. And he's, he was? He's, he's still, still, still in the it's, process? There's pieces of wood. It's a long arc. <laughs> <laughs> there are pieces of wood, and some of them are shaped really nicely. <laughs> so. Well, get back to us when it's done. I will. Okay. I will. You can have you can have him on, and he'll play himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to your second song now. Okay. This is Frankie Beverly and Mays, Before I Let You Go. This song, I, I mean, I can close my eyes and I can see a room full of people at a family reunion, at a party. If you want to get everybody up on the floor, you play this song. And what's interesting about it to me, the beat is such that you can do the electric slide you you see people doing a two-step. You can pretty much do anything you want to because the beat is so good and driving. And um, there's no one that really, especially in the black community, that can't close their eyes and listen to this song and not see one of their old aunties or, or uncle so-and-so with the cane, you know, out there showing off. <laughs> but it's, it's that kind of... Uh, uh, family and and just it just gets people going. I've been to parties and events and they play this and everybody just kind of gets up. And I did see Frankie Beverly and Mays in per- in concert in person once and oh, it was awesome. Where was that? <laughs> um, actually, West Palm Beach. Oh yeah, at mm-hmm. the outdoor place, the amphitheater, or no, it was inside a venue. Um, and we we were living in Port St. Lucie at the time. We went down. And um, so this everybody will get up and dance on this one and enjoy and think about family and thinking about friends and just just again just relaxing and having a good time. You're a dancer? Oh, love it. All right, well let's let's imagine <laughs> Gwen dancing to this at a wedding. All right. All right uh, all one right, year then. from now somebody's <laughs> gonna have a wedding and we're all gonna be able to go to weddings again. So yes. we're gonna imagine the future on this okay. one. Um, <laughs> Before I Let Go by Frankie Beverly and the band Mays, uh, off their nineteen eighty one album Live in New Orleans. Did you see this old train line? I did. Okay. okay. <laughs> I absolutely did. It wasn't hard with you in there dancing in your chair. Oh, it's hard to keep still on that song. <laughs> oh, man. So I kind of, uh, you know, half joked earlier about, you know, in the future when we go to weddings and stuff again, um, concerts. Uh, you know, you said you saw a lot of concerts and shows when you were in the islands. You know, how about once you've been back here, like in the Southwest Florida area? Have you seen much music? Not necessarily here, but just, you know, since you've been here. Since I've been here, I've been to more plays, I think, yeah. not so much as... Like Barbara as, B. Mann uh, stuff? Barbara Mann and the repertoire. Uh-huh. I love the, the repertoire theater plays. They're so good. Um, and some of the local ones, there have been some children that 
you know, I've taught that are in plays, uh-huh. and so you go and, and see them as well. Um, but it's one of the song, one thing I wanted to mention too. Sure, uh, this was so very difficult because there's just so much music and song in my head, and and that have so many memories. And one of the ones I, I kept thinking about was "Wake Up Everybody" with Har- Harold Melvin, and when I taught fourth grade one year. We, I had, I would play that song every morning as the kids were coming in, and at first they were like, mm, "What is this?" And after a while, if I didn't have it on, they would want me to put it on. But I was listening to it the other day, and the sad part about it is the sentiment and the words: "Wake up, everybody! No more sleeping in bed. No more, no more backwards thinking. Time for thinking ahead." Wake up all you teachers, time to teach a new way. Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say. And I I thought, this was when, back in the 60s, 70s that this came out. And we're still in that same vein. Wake up, everybody. It's, it's, it's just kind of sad to think, have we really evolved that much? Have we slid backwards? And not just with COVID, but just as people and communicating and learning how to get along, you would think that with all the, you know, tumultuous times that we had back in the 60s and 70s and the marches and, you know, riots and things like that. And you turn on TV today and it's the same thing. It just, it's like, will we ever learn how to move forward? So you mentioned you were a member of the Lee County School Board. Yes. Elected in 2018. Yes. And I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but I was kind of shocked when I was reading up on you and I realized that you were the first person of color. And this, this is riffing on what you just said. Mm-hmm. Ever elected to the school district of Lee County's board. 130 years. Talk about what that was like. What it's been like I... to Someone asked me that not long ago, and I said, um, I I had received an award during Martin Luther King Week, and I I quoted um, Michelle Obama that when you are the first at anything, it's such a heavy burden because you do not have a choice or an option to fail because there are people that, will say, you know how you say, well, I'm doing this and people that went before me, well, I'm that one going before all the others that I hope and pray will come after me. And so I, that's why I write the, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, because I realize that there's a child out there, there's a a woman out there, a man out there that's thinking about, you know, I can do that job, and they can and I have to show them that it is possible and how it's possible to do it. It's like, you know, like the wake up, everybody. We can do this. And here's how you do it. With um, as difficult as it is sometimes, but maintaining decorum, maintaining professionalism, when you want to just jump up on the desk and <laughs> just start screaming. 
But then I look at the lighthouse and I think I'm doing this and people are watching and somebody is learning. Somebody is listening to my words. We had a very interesting meeting a few weeks ago. And part of my challenge has been, um, I don't know if people were ready for me. And so I, when I see something wrong or see something that needs to be brought out, I'm, I was that child that, you know, sit down and, and I wouldn't because, no, we need to fix this. And so being told to stay in your lane or stop asking questions is, is like telling me to get out of your lane and ask questions. And I will, if you look at one of our meetings, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and someone was saying, you know, why do you do this and why do you ask so many questions? And my point was, when I, as a black person, as a minority, look at a piece of data on a sheet, I see different things. And when you look at it through different eyes, you see something else. And my purpose in being there is to help you see what I see and I see what you see. Because otherwise, like that Venn diagram, the way I see it and the way you see it, and the middle is the way it really is or should be. And that's what we've got to get to. That's that wake up everybody. Yes, you have an opinion, but you see these numbers as as numbers. I see them as children. You see this figure as, you know, a budget. I see it as a future for somebody. So um, it's it's been challenging. And this is my, go- I'm in my third year. And um, I'm... Still asking questions. Hmm. You know, you not only are um, providing an example for people watching you, younger people watching you now, but if you think about it, there's probably some of that that's like in retrospect, because all of the students who you had, Mm -hmm. the example, the person who you were then, they can then see you now and put all that together, you know, and you probably have a lot of students who you had. And like I said, it was interesting. I have a message on my phone that brought tears to my eyes because I, I've been in the news a little bit. And so the other day, I got a message from a student saying, "Miss G, remember me? I was your student at, um, at uh, Eastley High School. And I just want you to know that I'm really proud of you and proud of what you're doing and to have a student that you taught to mature, and that's the one that's getting the degree in bioengineering. And I rem- I remembered him in class. I'm like, really? Wow. You know, he is you really, like, really? <laughs> he has really, you know, He's matured <laughs> and blossomed and found his way. And I'll never forget when I was um, campaigning, I was standing in front of the school's when people were coming to register their children, and I hear this voice, Miss G, and I look around. It's one of my students, and he's got his wife and his five children. And I said, seriously? (laughs) And I remember him. uh, His name was Dean. It was so funny because his mother and I had this connection and she would say well if he cuts up in class or what you just let me know and he won't get that truck on the weekend 
So I remember one time he was just talking and talking. I said, okay, I'm going to call your mom. Oh, you know, I'm fine. I picked up the phone and I dialed. I said, Dean, you have a call. Who? It was his mom. Don't take the truck. the (laughs) truck. (laughs) But that was funny. (laughs) Hmm. Um, You mentioned that you like to go to plays and stuff. Do you have a favorite musical? Um... When you said that, what flashed in front of my eyes was Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, 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 with the uh, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. And I will never forget sitting there. I saw it in Orlando. And the lights went down, and all of a sudden, this huge chandelier just flies across the room. And I was just in awe. <laughs> it, that, was, that was so good. And... Um, a friend of mine and I went to, uh, took a girl's trip, went to Philadelphia, and I think we must have seen three plays the time we were there. And uh, there was one, it was about antebellum times and this family growing up during the war. And the uh, the white couple had a baby, and they, they called uh, the baby Sugar Lumpy. So to this day, the friend of mine, and we call each other Sugar Lumpy One and Sugar Lumpy Two. Which are you? <laughs> I'm Sugar Lumpy One. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wang. <laughs> um, during your years as teaching, did the schools that you were at have theater programs that put on musicals that you have any memories of? Um, yes, and then I, I, I have fond rem- memories of the talent shows. Right, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, and, and there was one uh, dear friend, and she passed away a few years ago, but she and I and another teacher were, um, uh, who was it, the three, I, I can't even think of it, um, uh, the, the singing group the with... Uh, um, I can't even think of the name of it anymore. But we were the singing group, and uh, we had wigs, and we had the whole thing. Um, Diana Ross. Diana Ross. Who yeah. was Diana Ross with? Is that the Temptation? No, that was. It was um, Supremes. Yeah. We were the, the Supremes. Supremes. <laughs> we were the Supremes, and we had the wigs, and we had the whole thing. It so was... you were in the talent show. Oh yeah. So teachers were in the talent show always. I. I, I guess I didn't know that. No, we have to sell tickets because there are people that come just to see us cut up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter went to, um, I guess this would have been an elementary school. She went to Tanglewood, and the musical memory that just popped into my head was the principal and the vice principal came out. You know, remember that happy song? Happy, oh, happy. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah, took I'm over the whole world. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh-huh. imagine uh, Miss Whip. And uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, you know, the, the Minions, the movie with oh, the Minions? Yes. Uh-huh. They had like child-sized Minions costumes on oh, no. that only came down to like halfway down their midsection. <laughs> and they were waving their arms around and they came out and the kids just loved it. Oh, they loved, loved, it, loved it, seeing loved the it. teachers and the principals and all do crazy stuff. So we always used to do it just to... Just to keep them happy. You miss that? You miss being in the classroom? <laughs> Let me tell you, there is nothing like being in the classroom with kids. And I tell, I have had the opportunity actually to speak to some education classes here at FGCU. And I've told them that where the rubber meets the road 
is when that bell rings and the door closes and you turn around and it's you and you're on for 45 minutes or however many minutes and you have to basically sometimes almost entertain in a way. Uh-huh. You've got it's to get there. Part it's part performance. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. It is because they feed off of your energy. When you're having, as a teacher, if you're having a bad day, they, they feed off of it. There will be some that will be piranha and eat you whole, and there will be others that will, oh, are you okay, miss? You all stop. Sit down. She's not feeling well. <laughs> you know, so, But um, it, it's, I love being with kids, and from every now and then I'll go and substitute or do a class or talk to a group of students because that's that's what it's all about mm. um have you ever done karaoke oh, of course of course okay carol what's your go-to king, carol king you got a friend <laughs> but let me tell you i know carol king's tapestry album i know every bump and every song i could just sing the whole thing but you've got a friend is was always my song. Okay, so you, we know you're not afraid to sing. Is there a TV theme song <laughs> that you know well enough that if I pull it up on YouTube and play it, that we can all sing it together? Come listen to my story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, <laughs> perhaps unfair, and then so one day we we'll shoot that's some food, food up through the ground, come a bubbling crude oil that, that is black gold, Texas, Texas tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we did it without you two. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well don't, done. Don't tempt me. <laughs> that was good. Um, uh, do you have any movies that you? Uh, um, know that you love the soundtrack too, like some movie that, uh, that that stuck with you because of its soundtrack. Oh, Barbara Streisand, uh, Memories. Oh, like I can still I can still see her taking his hair and fixing that curl. <laughs> You're good at making radio images. For oh, us. okay. Well, see, you know, I think kids have lost out not having radio because. You have to imagine stuff mm-hmm. a lot, and they just see everything. You know, I had yeah. to make it up, and then when you see it for real, it's like, ooh, that's what it looks like. Well, at least po- <laughs> at least there's so many podcasts now. Although you're right, the younger kids at, aren't listening to podcasts yet. Yeah, not uh, yet. Maybe once they get a little older, because I love the resurgence of the podcast because that's just radio. It's right. just radio on the computer instead of the you know the tower. It is, and it's it is. audio storytelling that makes you have to think about it. And I'm working on a book that I'm going. Oh, to really? Do. Well, yes. tell us about it. Well, I is there, the, will there be an audio version? Of course. <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, I was working with the small business development group out here at FGCU because I want to do it as I'm writing it as podcasts, so that I have. Oh, interesting. So that I've got people's interests. So then, when it's done, they want to read it, and. Um, one is um, called Erased, and the concept is that one day in uh, one of the high school classes, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about bullying, and so I said to the kids, um, take out a half a sheet of paper. And I, don't ask me where the idea came from. And I said, take out a half a sheet of paper and a pencil. I want you to write your name, push kind of hard. And then I said, now I want you to erase it. 
and I gathered up the papers and handed them to different students. And I said, you've got one minute to find out whose paper you have and give it back. So they held it up to the light. They shaded it. They did all kinds of things. And everybody but one person got it back. And so they're like, Miss, why did you have us do this? <clears throat> Excuse me. This is my throat. Um, and I said, to prove a point, that no matter how hard someone tries to erase who you are, you're always going to be there. There's the indentation in the paper, or you you still see, you can, you know, shade over it. No one can ever totally erase who you are, because you'll always be you. Hmm. So that's the concept of it. Ah, well, keep us posted. I will definitely do. I'll come back and do a podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a studio. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, let's do your third song. Um, with religious background, honestly, I feel about belief in God and religion. I have to believe in something bigger than what I see around me. Otherwise, I would be just curled up in a ball somewhere. You have to have some thought that there's something bigger than what's right here and your problems and things that are happening each and every day. And when I heard this song, The Prayer, that with Donnie McClurkin and Yolanda Adams, um, it's it's religious and yet it's global and it's it has a message to it. And I love the fact that it's like a, an opera as well. I've heard so many different versions. There's versions where people are singing in Italian and all of that. But it's just a, a grand production. And the crescendos just, just get me. And it, it just kind of fills the room and takes you away to this place that's larger than you. And that's why I like it. Shall we listen to it? Please. This is The Prayer by Donnie McClurkin and Yolanda Adams from the 2003 album Again. You know... Especially recently listening to the song and in the position with the responsibility that we have in the school board for so many children, uh, this is like an anthem. Um, we are all God's children. Uh, I pray you'll help us to be wise, a place where we'll be safe. That's... That should be what our mantra is. That's why we sit there. That's why we make the decisions that we make, thoughtful decisions, that um, we're all God's children. Have you known about this song for a, you know since it came out or for longer than since you've been on the school board? Oh, yes. I, I, Did that uh, change the, sort of the, the meaning of the song to you in some way? It had a deep meaning before but now it has even a deeper meaning I mean I just I would love to walk in there one day and just blast it in the border <laughs> and just 
say, okay, this is my time to speak, and instead of speaking, I'm going to play this song and just play it and see what everybody does. Mm. That would just be fabulous to me. For everybody to just stop for a minute, take themselves out of the equation, and um, and listen to the words. How does the school board term thing work? Are you there for a certain, did you have to get reelected? Uh, explain that. It is for a uh, four-year term. Okay. So next year I will, um, and I will decide soon whether I'm going to run again. This is my third year. And sometime, I guess, the end of the year, the first of next year, I will announce um, the way I'm feeling right now. There's just so much to do. There is so much to be done. And um, I don't know if I'm ready to stop having them see things through someone else's eyes. Yeah. Mm. Um, so no big announcements today? <laughs> no, well, no, you don't have you to can, answer that. You can read between lines, but I'm, I'm, I'm tending that um, I'm kind of leaning that there's just so much, so many things that need to, uh, and it may not be me. It may not be fate that it's me to do it. I just feel like I've just, you know, tipped the iceberg. And like I mentioned at that one meeting as well and seeing things through different eyes, we are still a uh, 60-40 minority district. And cultures are different. And wake up everybody. You know, time to think a new way and to see, okay, it's not like it was 20 years ago. We have different students we have different families. We have um, different demographics. We have um, just different challenges for families. And it's, it's not equal. When we had um, the digital learning during COVID, and what I have said several times is that COVID is a, a terrible thing that is happening and has happened in our country. And yet, when something terrible happens, you have to learn from it. Because I feel like there are lessons that if we don't learn them, we just keep going over them again. And the lesson that I learned from being um, involved with education during COVID is that we are not communicating as well as we thought we were. The digital divide is a real thing, and it's not just prevalent and necessary during COVID, but wake up, everybody. It's something that has been happening. That one child that goes home, even though they have a Chromebook and they don't have connectivity at home, it, it, it makes a difference. I'll never forget the first year I was on the board, and no, I was running for office, and I had gone down to um, get my license renewed or something, and there was this 
gentleman, uh, Caucasian gentleman. He had his two sons with him. And he saw my sign, my button or whatever, and he says, well, you've got to do something about, you know, the connectivity, not connectivity, but he said them getting online. He said, my son here struggles anyway to do his work. And when he gets home where we live out, and I think he lived somewhere in Buckingham, he says, and we can't get the computer to work. And he said, and it breaks my heart because I want him to do better than I did. And he's telling me this with tears in his eyes in in DMV. Mm. So there are things that everything's not up on top, on the surface. We've got to dig down in order to root out issues and systemic problems that have been there forever. And that's our job. We're in 2021. Mm -hmm. And if we're still looking at things the way we did 130 years ago, um, we got a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. We're going to do a little speed round here as we head out the show. Okay. you ready for this? I hope so. <laughs> if you were a championship wrestler, what song would you come into the arena on? Uh, uh, da, 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 what is it? Um, uh, Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. Dun, 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 Play that at the school board. There we go. Too. Yes. <laughs> Look, I walk out with my cape on and throw it off. <laughs> um, if you were a cocktail or a drink of some kind, what would it be? And what would it be named? Uh, Shirley Temple. I'm a cheap date. Shirley Temple. <laughs> it's called the cheap date. It's called the oh, cheap date. Right? <laughs> um, what would you say is the most overplayed song of all time? Electric Slide. Electric Slide. Good yeah. That's a great answer. Um, if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet at once, what would you choose? The prayer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. If you could learn an instrument instantly without having to try, which would it be? Um, it's between a guitar and a violin. I love the melodicness of a violin, but I always want to kind of play the bass guitar, not the, you know, little treble, but bong, bong, bong. We're going to let you learn them both. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Let's see. I got a podcast with both instruments. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you kind of alluded to not really, you know, you're trying to, lo- uh, to learn how to like rap. But are there any other particular songs that you'll always avoid listening to because they just drive you crazy, reminds you of something you don't want to think about? That's really hard because, I mean, I love pretty much, you know, even I got friends in low places. (laughs) (laughs) There's just a little bit of everything. You try to find something good in all of it. Do you have a favorite band or a band that you've listened to the most that's stuck with you the most? Oh, Commodores. Oh. <laughs> Sail on. <laughs> um, uh, band or musician that you've most recently gotten into? Is there anything that you've added to your, you know, CD case, even though we don't have them anymore? Uh, even though I get, I lose them all the time. Um, I, I'm so very eclectic. I'm not sure I can... Pick one. I still love Carole King, and I still love, um, you know, Patti LaBelle and Aretha. Ain't no way for me to love. Oh, yes. 
uh, <laughs> would you have an album that you think is like a perfect album? The the Commodores, I forget the name of it, with, uh, oh no, Luther Vandross. Luther. It doesn't matter if it's skinny or fat, Luther, he's still Luther. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, it is time for you to recommend three people. Oh wait, I forgot this question. What would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today in the oh, world? You got time to get it right. You got plenty of time to get it. Oh, no, not what you would tell your 14-year-old self. Oh, okay. If you can go back in time and see yourself from your 14-year-old's perspective. How, looking at me yeah, now? Yeah, looking at you now, like 14-year-old you there in Chicago. Ooh. Um, speak up. Just keep keep doing it. Keep, uh, keep speaking up for truth and keep... Um, Speaking up for the right thing and being a voice for voiceless. Okay, well, you've done it. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts for us? This was so much fun. You've made me laugh and cry and think and all of that in one hour, and it's fabulous. It's Adam told me uh, just before I came, He Adam Malloy had nominated me, and he said, just go and just get lost in the memories and enjoy and thank you, Adam, for nominating me. I did that, and it was wonderful. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Gwen. <laughs> we appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and host. Chris Tuffis is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going to go back to the song Gwen talked about playing for her fourth grade class every morning, Wake Up Everybody, by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Like she said, it's sad that its sentiment and words that were written way back in the mid-70s are still so relevant today. And also, like she said, will we ever learn how to move forward? Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Ah, here I go, here I go, here I go again. Girls, what's my weakness, man? Okay, then, chillin', chillin', mindin' my business. You saw that looked around, and I couldn't believe this.